Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang. It's time now for Why It Matters. We're putting the spotlight on the construction sector this morning. Yes, indeed. Changes will be made to public sector construction tenders called from November the 1st. This to factor in risks arising from pandemics such as COVID-19. The key amendments are to allow contractors to apply for time extensions due to a pandemic and to include provisional sums for anticipated pandemic related expenses for which the extent or the cost may be unknown at the time of the tender. So these changes were outlined in a circular from the Building and Construction Authority, or BCA, and it comes as the industry grapples with skyrocketing costs, labour shortage. But will these recommendations help the construction sector in Singapore, and you know, more importantly, how so? Let's see if we can find out more from Spring Tan, partner at Withis Katha Wong. Spring, good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning, Elliot. Good morning, Bharati. Thank you for having me here. Thanks so much for helping us out with this. So I suppose let's start off by trying to understand this circular from BCA. So changes will be made to public sector construction tenders. This will be from November 1st to factor in risks arising from pandemics such as COVID-19. How else can you help us understand some of the key recommendations? Perhaps let me give a brief background uh, on this first. In most construction contracts, a standard form of conditions of contract are adopted for use by parties to a contract. So in the private sectors, people will use forms like the Singapore Institute of Architects and or the RADAS, Real Estate Developers Association of Singapore's standard forms. In the public sectors, government agencies and related agencies like LTA, NEA, they will use the public sector standard conditions of contract, which is what you have mentioned earlier, PSSCOC. So most of these contracts have two key risks, and that is the time-related risk and cost-related risk. Mm. So the time-related risk involves things like when there's a delay to the project, who bears this cost of delay? Is it the developer or the contractor? In a cost-related risk, when there's an increase in price during the duration of the project and the cost of it, who bears the risk? Should it be the developer or the contractor? So these standard forms have clauses in it which address and try to take care of these time-related risks and cost-related risks. For example, for delays, there will be a clause that lists out various delaying events allowing the contractor to claim extension of time. And thus, if it falls within this list, all the delay caused by that event will be transferred to the developer. Any delays that's caused by events not listed in that conditions of contract, the contractor will be responsible for the delay. What uh, the recommendations have done is they have added another event which is pandemic-related and they have defined it as WHO must have specified, you know, very specific kind of pandemic situations affecting various countries. So in those events, any delay caused by that will be transferred to the developer. Meaning if any delay caused by that event, developer will bear the risk for it. Similarly, there will be a clause in the contract which allow contractors to claim additional costs which falls within a certain list. 
So what the recommendations have done is they have added another event to that list, allowing the contractor to claim additional costs, which is pandemic-related events. So these are the two key changes to the PSSCOC, which allow contractors to claim more time and more money. Hmm. Spring, you work very closely with people in the construction industry, right? What are they saying about how adequately these recommendations address their concerns? It is very much welcome because it gives the contractor more certainty for their claims for additional costs and, and time that's caused by COVID-19. However, a lot of them are saying the process of administrating all this takes time and many of them who are already in dire financial situation may not be able to survive through if, if it, it's not fast enough. In fact, I think there are a few measures that have already been implemented. They are good and they help except that they need time to be processed and a lot of these contractors don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Spring, earlier on you mentioned about now there being a clause which will be pandemic-related clause. What was being used previously? Because generally, there's always this blanket force majeure, right? Why did it take so long for such a definition to come out in that sense? Yes, you're right. There is a force majeure clause in most construction contracts for them to claim extension of time. Mm. However, force majeure is an event that is beyond the contractor's reasonable control. Then, of course, parties will start arguing whether is it within their reasonable control, whether and this and that. So there is no certainty. Now, what has been added after months of study by this new contracts work group is a very specific clause. In fact, there are actually two sub-clauses which allows for pandemic or outbreak of infectious disease and also allowing any government-related measures, uh, implementation to be claimed for extension of time as well. Is this tied to so long as the WHO has declared a state of pandemic or does it have to be revised when eventually the WHO lifts the pandemic so-called category of what we're going through right now? No, the specific words are pandemic or outbreak of infectious disease. And then, of course, WHO or any international health-related authority that declares that. And there's a few other, or Ministry of Health of Singapore or health-related authority in the geographical area. So so it's quite wide. Mm, 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 Enough to move forward, yeah. Yes. Because something this, this it may not end after this, and then there might be other kind of situations. So this should be able to take care of that. Something you said earlier, I think, is very important and notable, which is that the people in the industry have said that administratively, all of these recommendations will just take up too much of their time in order to benefit them, in order for all these recommendations to benefit them. So administratively, it sounds like it's onerous, it'll take up too much time. Well, what's the alternative at this point, Spring? What are they suggesting instead that would help them in the immediate term? Administratively, I would say it is not so much the contractor's time. The contractors that I've spoken to, they are saying that all these requires submissions to be made, applications. So after they have made all these applications, on the other side, the BCA side, the government side, those people need time. And if there are so many applications, they need time to process. So that is the, the, the delay being caused, you know. There's so many mm. cases, so many applications, uh, and they need time to do that. What else can be done? I, mm. I is mean, there a better way? Put, 
Yeah, is there a better way? I don't have the answer, but I suppose a simpler method so that it, there's less administration to be done by the side to decide on what extension of time, whether or not this can uh, this qualify or whether or not that qualifies. You know, a simple method so that it is just decided and you don't need to go into the details of what this project has done, what this contractor has done. That might simplify things. Wow, that's uh, that sounds like the makings of a similar divorce type of settlement where you're going through all the issues. I am curious though, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I don't have the best understanding of this scenario, but I think this only applies to public sector. Am I right to say that? Yes, you're absolutely right. So uh, it is the public sector contracts that is benefiting. So your HDB, and so this is in, in, in lieu of all the HDB's delays that we've been reading in the papers. And it affects those, correct. But we have seen more on block happening in the past couple of years. Who's to say that that's not going to spill over to the, the private sector? Is there something being looked at? How can the elements be applied for private sector contracts? Private sector's contract will require probably more prodding and encouragement from our government agencies like BCA, which they are already doing. I think associations like what I mentioned earlier, the Singapore Institute of Architects mm. and the Real Estate Developers Association, you know, these people will very likely also amend their conditions of contract to be in line with the PSSCOC in, in somewhat, I wouldn't say completely the same. Yeah, because yeah, you got the blanket pandemic definition already, right? Correct, yes. But, but you see, the PSSCOC also allows ongoing contracts in the public sector to be corrected, they, they can issue a correction to be amended. Oh, okay, but the okay. private sector, for that to happen, that is unlikely because private parties are unlikely to agree to amend their contract <laughs> halfway through. Yes, yes, mm. okay, okay. I mean, in the public sector, the government agencies can, can do all this because they are the government. Yeah. You know, but private sector is a little bit harder for ongoing projects. Mm. What, what are some possible solutions for this sector then? Right now, uh, what is also helping is the COVID-19 Temporary Measures Act, which provides temporary relief from performance bonds being caught, from being wound up and a few other measures. These have been extended from September 30th to 31st December. Whether it will continue to be extended, we don't know, but the prevention of the the prohibition of calling on the performance bond, I think, is a great help to contractors. In the meantime, Spring, can we expect contractors in general to still price in the risks associated with a pandemic? Because I think the point of the recommendations for the public sector was to actually prevent this, was to prevent the sky-high prices that bids might be set at because, you know, the contractor wants to cover all risks. But because of the deficiencies in some of the recommendations and, of course, the situation in the private sector, can we still expect them to price in all of these risks? Some of these risks, are, they, are, they are so-called known unknown costs. This includes things like right now they, they have to do all these tests, the ART tests and all that, right? So these tests have certain costs. If they know how many workers, they know how many days, you know how, how much. So all these costs are known as a known unknown cost. They can be added on as provisional sum to the contract. So that provisional sum, that risk, that amount part is actually passed to the developers. And then the other 
unknown cost will be increased in labor. You know, right now there's a shortage, so there's increase in the labor cost and equipment and material cost. So that cost, how much is it going to be increased over the months to come? Nobody knows. So that is known as the unknown, unknown cost. That will fall within claim for loss and expense. And in the PSSCOC, what they've recommended is for both parties, the developer and the contractor, to share these, that cost 50-50. Mm. There was an article in the paper, well, I think two days ago, buyers of the Pongo build-to-order project Waterway Sunrise 2 will be compensated for the delay after its completion was pushed back by more than a year. Obviously, this is in line with the kind of conversation that we're having, who bears the cost. I guess from a consumer, a buyer's point of view, does this ensure that you know I don't look forward to additional costs when I eventually collect my keys, especially those uh, who have been waiting for their flats for, for a while or already yeah i i mean i mean these are unprecedented times this has yeah, been yeah. many many times right yeah so i mean we are lucky in the sense that our government our government is very proactive and they're doing all these to help consumers are unlikely to have to pay more mm. but the the loss that they suffer for example if they can't move into the new flat they have to rent for yeah. a longer time or even rent higher pay higher renters uh, to continue their rent so all these costs is a loss to them. Yes. What yes. the HDB has done is yeah. they, they try to compensate them through all this compensation. But who is bearing this? I mean, HDB has to pay the buyers. Yes. Contractors who are late, HDB, I believe, is trying to share the, the cost that contractors have incurred you know, mm. and share that. And so in the end, I, I, I think in the public sector, the government is bearing a lot of the risk and paying for it. Yeah. That causes different buses. In the person private person. sector, that might not, might not happen. Mm. Mm. Considering where we're at now, Spring, what do you think? Will we see more insolvencies after the relief period under the COVID-19 Temporary Measures Act? Well, this is where the performance bond come in. Performance bond, uh, it, just a brief background. What it does is that all most contracts, developers will require contractors to provide a performance bond, usually in the sum of 5 to 10% of the contract sum. So that in the event the contractor fails to complete the project or don't complete it properly, the developers can call on that bond as compensation. So oh. in it, when there's a delay, mm. definitely the contractor is in default mm. and the developer will be entitled to call on the bond. Once this temporary relief ends, assuming 31st December, all the contractors who have been trying very hard or managed to survive so far will be in default anyway because their projects are late. The developers may then call on the bond. That will definitely wipe out all that they've done over the past year trying to survive because performance bond actually makes a big pocket, cuts a big, deep, deep cut in their, in their financial mm. status. So, so tries to mitigate the default by default in that sense. I know this is a pretty technical conversation. Spring, really appreciate your help with this. Springtown partner with us, Kata Wong. Thank you again. Take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Barati. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.